Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is a podcast where I answer the question, what am I reading this week? This week I've got Amazing Fantasy 15 from Marvel Comics, published in 1962. For the free video version of the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash vmcampos. Well, everyone, I begin my podcast on a sad note. Save our Spider-Man! Uh, apparently, if you follow the news, Spider-Man will no longer be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sony and Disney could not come to an agreement, and now Spider-Man is out. Maybe eventually that will be reversed, but at the moment, hashtag save Spider-Man. So I decided to do this special episode where we talk about Spider-Man's very first appearance way back in 1962 on the issue Amazing Fantasy 15, published by Marvel Comics. It's not a very long story, so I'm actually going to go page by page and talk about the book. In this podcast, I review a comic book old or new for my collection for the cover art, the interior art, the plot, and the enjoyability of the book on a scale of 1 to 5. Let's get started. So, Spider-Man is my favorite comic book character of all. I'd grown up with various superheroes in my youth, and uh, Spider-Man is the one that is still stuck with me in my imagination, in my heart, and I still have my very first copy of, of Amazing Spider-Man number 266 that I got way back in 1985. I still have it now. Going back and reading the original Spider-Man book is such a treat. It's such a product of its time, but also revolutionized the comic book industry, which we'll get into. First of all, let's talk about the cover. So. Spider-Man's first appearance was in Amazing Fantasy 15, a comic book that had actually gone through a, a bunch of different changes throughout its history. It was previously known as Amazing Adult Fantasy in issue 14. That didn't quite sell to the kids, uh, putting the word adult on the cover, so they just changed it to Amazing Fantasy. This is issue 15 from August 1962, approved by the Comics Code Authority. On the cover, we've got this, this cover by Jack Kirby and by Steve Ditko. In this triumphant pose that has been cover swiped throughout the decades, uh, Spider-Man proclaiming, Though the world may mock Peter Parker, the timid teenager, it will soon marvel at the awesome might of Spider-Man. So this is really interesting. I've read a, a various commentary in terms of why did Spider-Man succeed? One of the reasons is, okay, he's got a secret identity just like many other superheroes, but he already proclaims himself as a teenager. Now, he's a timid teenager. He's uh, perhaps identifying with the target audience, teenagers, young people, uh, young people that are perhaps are not the most uh, socially adept. But then he proclaims himself as Spider-Man, not Spider-Kid, not Spider-Teen, but as Spider-Man. That was a revolutionary thing because many uh, young heroes at the time were kid versions and sidekicks of the older established heroes. So that's one thing there. The cover further says, also in this issue, an important message to you from the editor about the new Amazing. Okay, cover. For the importance, I give it a 5 out of 5. This is a, a wonderful cover that really was homaged throughout the decades. It's a very recognizable cover. Once you see this cover of a Spider-Man book, you know it's his first appearance, and it's pretty valuable uh, in the first print. 
Um, as for quality-wise, I'll rate it a little bit lower. I'll go with a 4 out of 5. It's in the classic style of comics of the period, with these flat colors. Um, print quality was just not good enough to do the gradations that we're used to nowadays. And I'm not knocking it because, oh, it doesn't look like a modern comic. I'm knocking it a little bit, just because I think it's kind of uh, this classic, like, kind of awkward posing that people had a good uh, style of art back then. And, of course, this is way better than anything I can do, of course. But the, the posing of it is a, is a little bit awkward. Uh, if you look closely, you know, Spider-Man's chest is a little too big. If he's a timid teenager, like, his, he's kind of barrel-chested, really tough looking and um you know i think it's interesting that we've got these dutch angles to the background um so it's a great cover it's very iconic it's a four out of five objectively but nostalgically it's a five out of five amazing the interior art okay well this is uh steve ditko art uh, the very first artist to uh, work on spider-man was steve ditko along with stan lee of course so uh, the interior art, again, it's objectively, it's not amazing. Um, if you're used to modern art nowadays, it's pretty naive. Um, it's a little awkward sometimes. Uh, panel layouts can be very cluttered. There's, uh, you know, the sequence of panels that are kind of claustrophobic. I suppose because it's a relatively short story, they have to get a lot across, so there's a lot of panels. There's like nine to eight panels uh, per page, so it can seem very frenetic. But the story is a barely like a, a dozen pages, so they've just got to fit in as much as they can. Uh, there are some interesting panel layouts here and there, but are still kind of awkward. After Spider-Man makes his TV debut, He's kind of floating in space in an odd way, and one of his legs is a little anatomically off. But again, Steve Ditko revolutionized the comics industry in his portrayal of this character. A very lanky character, interesting posing and contortions. Um, panel layouts and such are kind of standard for the time, although there are a few interesting angles. Uh, so objectively, the style is a is a three out of five. The interior art for the time, it would have been very good. It would have been standard style at the time, still coming uh, past, you know, the 50s style. Uh, you can really see that if you look at the history of comic books. Again, for the nostalgia factor, this is a 5 out of 5. There's a shot of Peter Parker as he's putting his, his uh, makeshift costume on to go out uh, and, and make a little bank. And I just love the art on that. Uh, and some of the expressions can be very good, especially when Peter realizes he's been bitten by the radioactive spider. So, objectively, art is a 3 out of 5. Nostalgically, it's a 5 out of 5. And the story, this is a 10 out of 5, nostalgia-wise. Um, again, I love Spider-Man. He's my favorite character. Even the cover with his proclamation, it will soon marvel at the awesome might of Spider-Man. Oh, hyperbolic Stan Lee, we love you. Um, throughout the whole book, there are also various uh, touches and flourishes of teenage slang, they call Peter, for example, Midtown High's only professional wallflower. Oh, snap. And there's other sorts of dig at Spider-Man uh, here and there throughout the book, kind of putting him down, really get a sense, giving you a sense that he's he's an outcast. He's, he's really not well-liked. Liz Allen, 
uh, drives off with Flash Thompson, one of the hot guys, and he's bellowing, See you around, bookworm! And she chimes in, Give our regards to the Atom Smasher, Peter! So the writing, I think, is very good, very realistic. It does portray high schoolers in a very good way. The compactness of this story. Amazing Fantasy XV is an anthology. It had several different stories, not just the first appearance of Spider-Man. So in these 11 pages, it had to portray a beginning, middle, and end that was um, interesting, thought-provoking, exciting, and I think it works perfectly. Um, so subjectively, this is a 10 out of 5. Objectively, it's a little bit more of a 4 out of 5. It's kind of corny here and there. The over-the-top uh, wordplay sometimes is a detriment. It really feels out of place. Reviewing it now in the year 2019, 57 years have passed and dialogue changes, mores change, styles change. So um, the writing is definitely of its time. Like, uh, who still eats wheat cakes or drinks crackers and milk and says things like, gosh... But still, it's a wonderful story that when you read it the first time, it sticks with you. Because again, spoiler alert of the tragic nature of it. Spider-Man is a character that was created of his own doing to some degree. He was bitten by a radioactive spider. And what does he decide to do? He uses his ability to become a TV sensation, to make money off of his amazing powers. He didn't set off to become a hero right away, like many of the other uh, characters that had come up to this point, perhaps from the distinguished competition. He uh, was going to profit from his good fortune. And in his hubris, he allows a, a, a common criminal to run past him. Wait, what's going on here? The cop yells, Stop, thief! Stop him! If he makes it to the elevator, he'll get away! The thief gets away. Made it. I'm safe now. That cop can never get down to the lobby as fast as I can in this high-speed express elevator. Luckily, that goon in a costume didn't stop me. The cop berates Spider-Man. What's with you, mister? All you had to do was trip him or hold him just for a minute. Peter replies, Sorry, pal. That's your job. I'm through being pushed around by anyone. From now on, I just look out for number one. That means me. I oughta run you in. Save your breath, buddy. I've got things to do. Whoa, a lot of disrespect now for the law, for authority figures, for everyone. After he got his powers, he's like, I'm looking out for number one. The world owes me. It's treated me so badly. Girls don't like me. No one pays attention to me. I'll show them. Hmm, nowadays in 2019, that sounds like a pretty scary line of thought. In 1962, things were a little different, but that hubris results in the burglar, by a twist of fate, killed Peter's Uncle Ben. He discovers at the very end, the same man that he let get away was the murderer of his beloved Uncle Ben, the man who raised him. Peter Parker is an orphan in the original plotline. He's raised by Aunt May and Uncle Ben, two amazing people that, that shaped him into a good boy. But because of Peter's own hubris, he stands back, doesn't help, and has his world turned upside down when the man he didn't stop destroys his world, murders Uncle Ben. And he blames himself instantly. My fault. 
all my fault. If only I had stopped him when I could have, but I didn't, and now Uncle Ben is dead. This is a beautiful, tragic, amazing origin to this character. This is why I love this character. He was taking what was his, what he was owed, what he felt he deserved, and it gets flipped around to now help others. Because that's what society is. That's what society needs. We help each other. You don't just take and take and take. You must also give. We are in a society together. And so the writing by Stan Lee early on here in the beginning exemplifies that. And a lean, silent figure slowly fades into the gathering darkness, aware at last that in this world, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. Utterly amazing, a 10 out of 5 on the enjoyability scale. This is a wonderful comic book. If you've never read the original Spider-Man story, give it a shot. You can find it online. You can find it in print. There have been various reprints. An original Amazing Fantasy 15 in an excellent condition is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Trust me, I know. But there are various True Believer reprints for a dollar. There are various other reprints that exist. You owe it to pick up an original copy just to check it out, this great time capsule. This really started the Marvel Age of Comics. Interestingly, at the very end of the book, we have a note from the editor as promised by the cover. It simply says, be sure to see the next issue of Amazing Fantasy for the further amazing exploits of America's most different new teenage idol, Spider-Man. Actually, uh, there was no Amazing Fantasy 16. After the popularity of this, of Spider-Man, um, this series was canceled, and then it went on to Amazing Spider-Man number one the following year in March 1963. So Spider-Man took the world by storm at the beginning, got his own comic, started his own adventures, meeting the Fantastic Four at the very beginning, actually, uh, Marvel's first family of superheroes, introduced in 1961. And he was off. Amazing Spider-Man would continue to over 800 issues, meeting many characters, many villains, many storylines that would be realistic, fantastical, each one interesting and amazing, stories for different generations. One of the great things about Spider-Man is he wears a mask. Yes, he's Peter Parker. Yes, he is a young white male. But below the mask could be anyone, an African-American, a woman, anyone. That is the power of Spider-Man and something Lee and Ditko created almost 60 years ago that still resonates today. Still my favorite superhero of all. Actually, there was an Amazing Fantasy 16 decades later. This is what if the series had continued. This is sort of like an, an issue negative one of Amazing Spider-Man 1963. This one was published years later, but took up and continued the moniker of Amazing Fantasy. This is Amazing Fantasy 16. Beautiful painted story about Spider-Man learning to crawl. But after the death of his Uncle Ben and uh, realizing his destiny in life, that burglar changed Peter Parker's life for the better through tragic means. Whatever happened to that burglar? Whatever happened to that man that helped make Spider-Man? I wonder. Actually, by the very nature of comics, 
things are cyclical, for better or for worse. Um, the burglar did return in Amazing Spider-Man number 200 in 1979. In the 200th anniversary issue, against the man who killed his Uncle Ben, the spider versus the burglar. So the burglar returns 200 issues later. Spider-Man confronts him again in this anniversary issue from 1979. So this week I read Amazing Fantasy 15, published in 1962 from Marvel Comics. If you want to watch the video version, don't forget to head on over to patreon.com slash vmcampos. For free, you'll get the video version of the podcast, and if you subscribe for it for as little as one dollar, you'll get access to a lot of other great exclusive stuff. This has been the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club, and I'll see you next week.